Welcome to Big Bear Christian Center Sermon Audio. Join us this morning in the first of our Advent celebrations, discovering the hope that is in Christ. We hope for things, like I said, all the time. A lot of them good, and some of the things we hope for probably aren't so good. We'll be honest with ourselves. We, we get these things, these desires, these thoughts, and we, we begin to hope for them. But hoping in something is entirely different. In fact, there's not a lot of things that we put our real hope in. You go, well, what's the difference? Let me, let me put it this way. This, this is the way I see the difference between hoping for something and hoping in something. Like I said, hoping for something is an add-on. It's something, oh, I hope this happens to me. I hope this happens. But if it doesn't, I'm still kind of in the same place that I was without it, right? Hoping in something is a little bit different because you're actually giving yourself over to what you're hoping. And here's the, here's, the, here's the picture of what you're hoping in. You're standing on the dock, and there's a blow-up raft that you're going to get into. And you are putting your hope in the raft that it will not sink. You're putting your hope in a big plastic bag of used breath. And you get into the raft. Now, you will probably hold on to the dock for a while. But see, what you're doing is you're putting your hope into the raft. And now you don't have anything to stand. Hoping for something was hoping that you get the raft. Putting your hope in the raft is I'm going to put all my trust that I'm not going to sink in this rubber raft. See, we hope for a lot of things. But what do we put our hope in? And this morning... This is what we want to talk about, is putting our hope in the right things. And this is the season. We kick off this Christmas season. We do it four weeks ahead. It's, it's what churches have been doing for hundreds and hundreds of years, but it helps us to remember what the season is about. And, and in our day and age, with Christmas being so commercialized, we need this even more. We need to make sure that we're remembering what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about the Christ child. They can't take Christ out of Christmas. It's the first five letters. Six, right? There's six in Christ. We'll edit that. But you can't take Christ out. But the, the world is trying to take Christ out of Christmas. And they, instead of saying Merry Christmas, a lot of companies want to say Happy Holidays. The problem with that is holiday comes from Holy Day. So even trying to take God out of Christmas and just say holidays, we're still saying, no, it's a holy day. Happy holy day. It's Christmas. Well, we, we have come up and these people have tried to say, well, it's, it's about Santa Claus. Yes, which is a variation of St. Nicholas, who was a good man, who loved his people, and he actually did good things, and he gave presents, and he did some of these things that we hear about in history, and it was a real person. Santa Claus came from St. Nicholas, in case you didn't make the connection. Well, what about that Kris Kringle guy? You know, the story you watch, and you say, well, you know, Santa Claus used to be Kris Kringle. Does anyone speak German by any chance? Do you? Christ Kringle. What does that mean? Do you remember? Child, yeah, Christ child. Chris Kringle comes from the German variation of Chris Kringle, 
Scriptures kindle, which means Christ child. You can't remove God, you can't remove Christ from Christmas. But the world is trying hard. And some of us on Friday were went into the stores and we're looking to get the deals to buy more stuff for Christmas. See, it's, it, we're inundated with all these things, but we need to find out and understand where do we put our hope? What, what is Christmas about? This morning we're talking about the hope that is in Christ Jesus. Not the hope that's found in the world. Because the world passes away. The world's just going to pass away and our hope has got to be built and founded on something so much deeper. And that's the hope of Jesus Christ. Well, which part of Jesus Christ? Well, of course, all of them. Today, I want to share some some specific things as we're going into the Christmas season, Christmas time. And, and, you know, I'm not sure exactly what God has because I couldn't, my computer froze up, I couldn't print my notes, and I couldn't even open my, my computer. It's upstairs frozen. <laughs> kind of the blue screen of death thing. And so I said, okay, God, well, you've obviously got something for us this morning. Or is my hope in my notes? Yeah. Is my hope in my computer? I hope not. Our hope has to be founded in the right place. This morning as God was moving in our service, He was showing us that it's not about coming to a building and singing some songs, taking an offering, and some guy, you know, telling jokes or yelling or whatever it is that I do on a Sunday. It's about getting into the presence of God, but understanding that we're not a club, that we have salvation, that we have life that has been given to us, and that God wants to shine His love and life in us and through us to the rest of the world. And this is the season that we remember that. That's great. It's the Christmas season. We celebrate the coming of Christ for the first time. And this Advent message of hope focuses on another part. In the book of Isaiah, there's a lot of prophetic verses that talked about the coming of Christ. Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 40. And, and I'm going to reference, reference that, most of them rather than read them all, but I'm going to read out of Isaiah chapter 7. When Christ came over 2,000 years ago, the Jewish people, they were waiting for their Messiah. They knew he was coming. They knew that they were expecting the Messiah to come, and it was, had been prophesied, and they knew the scriptures. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says that the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall, shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, this was a, prof a prophecy about the coming of Christ. The people were waiting for the hope in Christ. Now, we know the story. If you've been in church for any length of time, we know that, that their hope was that the Messiah would come and restore Israel as a nation and give them their sovereignty. They're, they were under the Roman rule at the time, and so during the time that Jesus came, Rome was governing. They were able to practice to some degree their faith, but they still weren't free. So the, the Messiah that they were hoping would be one who would come and take them as a nation 
and reclaim them so that they would be a sovereign nation, not under Roman rule or Babylonian rule before that. And they said, you know, the Messiah will come. And, and it was prophesied. And they were waiting and waiting and waiting. Well, we know that Jesus came. He was born as prophesied, a virgin. It said, the scriptures say that the government would be upon his shoulders. And we see throughout the book of Isaiah, the Christmas story unfold. And that was that he would come and be the savior of the world. But they thought that he was going to be a, a live savior. But Jesus had another plan. So he knew that, that life on this earth is temporal. It was just fleeting. And that the real hope was going to come in his second coming. And today we talk about the hope is not that Jesus came to the earth as a baby. And we celebrate that portion in Christmas. And we, we think about the babe in the manger. And it's such a, an important part of the story. But it's not over with that part. But today, we think about the hope that he offers because he was born and he fulfilled the scriptures that he was born of a virgin, that he was sinless, that he lived his life here on earth completely sinless and he then was given over to crucifixion and death. He died, was buried, he rose again and he ascended to heaven. Today, our hope is on the next part of the story. He says, I'm going away, but I'm going to come back for you so that where I am, you may be also. The hope is, is resting that Jesus didn't live 2,000 years ago and die, and that's the end of the story, and we just celebrate his teaching. We're not Buddhists. See, in Buddhism, the Buddha was a good teacher. In fact, a lot of the things that Jesus taught Buddha taught of how to live with one another in peace and love. But Buddha died and he stayed dead. It's a philosophy. It's a way of life. Christianity is turning into a philosophy for people. It was never meant to be a philosophy. It was meant to be full of life. See, our leader is more than a leader. The one we look to wasn't just a good teacher and a prophet. He has to be so much more, and he is. He's the Lord. Josh McDowell put it so well that there's only three choices, three options for Jesus Christ. He was either a liar because he said he was God, and he's not. He's a lunatic because look at what he allowed to happen. I mean, he actually went to the cross. Only a lunatic would do that unless they were the last option, and that's he is Lord. See, our hope is not built on a philosophy. It's not built on a religion. It's built on the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he came as the Christ Kindle, the Christ child, but he didn't stay a baby that we just worship in a manger. He lived, he died, he rose again, and he ascended, and he's coming back to take us forever to heaven with him. That's the good news of Christmas. That's the hope that we have. Thank God. Because some of you have had a bad year or a bad decade. Maybe it's even bad, been a bad century or a millennium thus far. 
you know, we're only 14 years into the millennium. You think, wow, what's the rest going to look like? What's our hope in? See, he came to bring us a hope. Hope of something so much bigger and better than what we understand. But we're living in a time and in a world that is constantly fighting to pull us out of what Christmas is really about. We're living in a time that we're distracted with all of the things going on and all of the fears and, and the, the news is constantly screaming all the stuff. But we have to choose and remember our hope isn't in this world. Our hope isn't in, in what happens if the economy doesn't turn around. What happens if we get a president worse than Obama? What happens if we get whatever it is? Well, my, and now this isn't scripture, but I love the song. My faith is built, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's our hope. Our hope has got to be in Christ. And his return gives us that understanding that this is temporary. Whatever it is that we're living in here is just fleeting. And we begin to reach out and say, thank you, Jesus. It's that moment that we've all had when we were having a bad day. Something was, was wrong, and we went into a store and we ran into somebody with no legs. Or we took a moment to look at the, the homeless person who had no home, or the person who was stranded on the side of the road, broken down. And you think, I thought I was having a bad day. And then I saw what other people were going through. Well, it doesn't discredit that maybe you're struggling, but it puts things into perspective. And Christ's return is the biggest perspective maker of all. He's coming back and he's going to take us forever to a glorious, amazing place called heaven. What a hope. What a hope. We have the, the Advent candles here this morning. And each week, we'll light one candle. And it helps us to put into perspective what's happened. On Christmas Eve, we'll light the last candle, which is, which is called the Christ candle. This first candle that we light this morning, if this works, represents hope there's two other meanings on the first first Sunday of Advent that candle is also called the prophet candle it represents the prophecies that Jesus was going to come to earth see Advent means coming he came 2,000 years ago and that's the Advent but we also celebrate and look forward to his second act, his second coming. The other meaning of the candle is in repentance, penance. That all of this is worthless without repentance. Repentance is simply agreeing with God about our state and who he says he is. See, we have to agree with God that he is Lord. And that's a struggle. That's a struggle for me sometimes. 
do I accept him as Lord or just Savior? Do I want him to be in every part of my life or just the salvation part and then go to heaven? He's asking us to believe in him for every part as we put our hope in his return. It helps us to live correctly today. As we think about his second coming, it should put into perspective that our neighbors or our friends or our family members don't know Christ. And it should give us that unction to help them know Christ. Christ is our hope. Amen. Boy, it's easy to get distracted. You know that video, just had that quick line, with all the distractions. Let this month be a month where we focus on Christ each and every day. As we read the story of Christmas and have our devotions. I'm doing the Advent here at church and I encourage you can do these things. In fact, you go to Focus on the Family. If, if you want, there's, there's daily readings on Focus on the Family you could take and, and read with your family. Scriptures and different things to do to help us remember what this season is all about. And it's going to put into perspective that there is so much more. Christ came for sinners such as me and sinners such as yourselves. And he gave the greatest gift that we'd have life and then we'd have eternal life. Now that's a good goal. That's something worthy of putting our, our hope and trust in. With the story and the understanding of the prophet candle being today, so why, what does all that tie into? See, here's a wonderful thing. When we get discouraged, when we begin to question or when other people question, well, you know, that whole Christianity thing, we go back to hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ, prophecies were written down that Jesus would come. How he'd be born. That he'd be taken out of his land. And we know that he went to Egypt. And he was raised there. His, his death was prophesied. In fact, with all the prophecies of Jesus, for one man to fulfill him is, is really just absolutely impossible. And a statistician one time tried to, to come up with an example of how hard it would be for somebody just to fulfill a handful, just a small amount of the prophecies regarding Christ. And they said for one person to fulfill these, because some of them were absolutely out of his control. How does somebody control where they'd be born? That's kind of hard. You know, uh, uh, you can control some things if you choose to do certain things in your life and you can control, but how would you control that there would his birth would bring upon death of others. How could he control the manner in which he would die when crucifixion, piercing of hands, piercing of feet, that his bones wouldn't be broken? That crucifixion wasn't even around when they prophesied that he would be pierced. You can't. So somebody, a statistician, tried to, to come up with, with a formula, and, and he said that, that the chances of one person fulfilling all of the prophecies of Jesus being born and living the life he did 
would be like filling the entire state of Texas with $1 coins, three feet deep, taking one of the coins, throwing it in, mixing the whole state of Texas up, and reaching in on the first try and picking the red one up. Is that, is that a good picture? That's amazing. That's blindfolded. Blindfolded. <laughs> you go, how? Well, because you can't control how you're born and how you die and all of these things. And so the prophets spoke of these things to give us hope that he would come. And he came and he fulfilled all of these prophecies. Well, if he fulfilled, fulfilled them the first time, then it gives us hope and trust that what he said is going to come to pass. When he says, I'm going to go away, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, but in addition to that, I'm going to come back and I'm going to receive you to myself so that you don't have to live on this world forever, but you'll live with me forever in paradise. Paradise. That sounds good to me. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 40. voice of Jesus coming. Verse 1 says, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her. That her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she is received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and he'll brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Throughout the word of God, we see his pictures of giving us hope that there is so much more, so much that we can have confidence and hope. When I was doing this study this year on on hope, and I began to do, you know, we just do a concordant search, and I'd look for all the words of, of hope. And then I'd say, well, well, what is the definition of that hope and compared in the Greek, compared to the, the Old Testament, the Hebrew? And, and, and in the, a lot of the scriptures in the New Testament of hope are found outside of the Gospels. And it means often just kind of hoping, kind of hope, I hope it happens. But there's another, tra another version of the word hope in in the Old Testament and when Jesus used it that didn't mean hope haphazardly it actually is translated sometimes hope sometimes waiting and sometimes actually translated as trust it's not just wild hope I boy I hope Jesus comes back someday really when we're talking about the return of Christ it isn't some hope like I'm going to win the lottery it's 
I'm hoping, I'm waiting, I'm trusting that Christ is going to return. Our hope is in him is so much deeper than the hope that we would think. There's a confidence in it. And he proved to us that his word is true by prophesying, by letting the prophecies of the Old Testament be revealed and become true at his birth so that everything he said after that we could trust in also. Does that make sense? And so we need to know the word. And we need to trust in it when he says, I'll forgive your sin. That I'll never leave you or forsake you. That I'll walk with you through the storm. And that there's something waiting for you as a believer. That is above all. For, for homework this week, you can read the book of Micah chapter 4. Micah chapter 4 is a prophetic view of heaven. And it's, it's a great place to read as we're talking about the hope that Christ is going to return and what heaven is going to look, look like. Let me read just a couple of verses. Now it shall come to pass, verse 1, in the latter days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and the people shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Verse 4 says, Everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all people walk each in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Each one will sit below his own vine, below, below his own fig tree. And there will be no fear. Hallelujah. That, that's a good hope. In Christ alone, I put my hope. Not in the things of this world, not in anything else coming. And as the world presses in hard, church, we need to press into the Lord even harder. Because we need to establish who we are in Christ and, and get our real substance, our living, our life, our hope from Him. And not, not just the stories, not just the songs we sing. If you've been saved for any length of time, you've had the times where, where going to church is just what you do. It's, it's just the habit that you fulfill. And at times you just go, well, I, I'm supposed to go to church, so I'm just going to go to church. We need to press back into the Lord to receive that life and that hope to understand that it's so much greater than just a ritual. It's so much better than just a philosophy, though the principles of God are, are amazing and they're true. But they're more than just principles. They're more than just a hope of a philosophy that if we live this way, we'll all get along so much better. His words, he says, are life. And they bring life to the weariness. And we know that God is so much bigger in moments as we had this morning when he just begins to minister to us. And he shows up and we feel his presence and we hear him speaking. 
Rest in me. Rest in me. You don't rest in a philosophy. You rest in the person of Jesus. We put our hope in that. And some of us, some of you in this room really may have that need right now. That you need hope. That you need something bigger than yourself. Bigger than the check that you hope to get. You need Christ. And I don't mean as your Savior. Talking to, I, I believe I'm talking to people who already have Christ as Savior. But you need something. You need a touch from God. Right now. It would just be wonderful for you to just be able to go. But you can't even do that. Just close your eyes for a moment. I just want to be obedient to what I feel like the Lord is leading. Lord Jesus, right now I would just ask that you would touch everyone in this room but God I know there's there's some specific people who need a touch from you this morning God there's some burdens that need to be lifted God there's hope that needs to be restored and not just a hope Not just a a hope of temporal things. God, but a confidence that you are God. And that you see the struggles and the difficulties. God, and you did say you'd come and you, you overcame the world. Right now, God, I pray that you would do some amazing ministry and lift burdens. God, I pray that you would bring hope, confidence, trust that you will not abandon us. You didn't leave us as orphans. You sent your Holy Spirit to be with us. And you promised that you would come back. God, right now, lift the burden, the weariness, the fear. God, replace it with your presence, with your spirit. Lord Jesus. God, don't let our Christianity just be the thing that we do on Sundays or even in the 
wrote-ness of our devotions, God. Let it be alive. God, restore hope in who you are as our living Lord and Savior. The one who overcame death so that we would live. The one who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. God, let it be infused with life and the hope of eternal life, Lord God. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would do what you do. You would comfort us and take burdens. Exchange yokes with us. That you would open up our spiritual eyes, God. That you would help us to see you for who you are, high and lifted up. Worthy of praise and worship because you overcame. As we put our hope in Him, He becomes that all in all. And that's what He wants to be in our lives. He doesn't want to be a part and add on. He doesn't want us to hope to just have things added on. But He wants us to put our faith and our hope and our trust and our confidence and our waiting in Him. And that's going to change how we live. It's going to change how the world sees us. Because we're going to live with purpose. His hope will be what drives us. He is our Savior. He wants to be our Lord. He wants to be our all in all. We can't fake it. But we can allow Him to do what He wants to in our lives and yield to him. You know, to give up the reins. Remember the picture at the beginning. Get off the dock. And get into the boat. And if you've ever been in a little rubber raft, it's a little shaky. You know, when you, when you put your trust in Christ, it's a little shaky. It's not going down. But it's not the same as the dock. Because Christ has different plans for us. It's not always comfortable at the beginning. But we put our faith, our hope, our trust in Him. 
And it will begin to change our Christmas. It will begin to change our day-to-day life. It will change what's going to happen for you next year. It might not change your circumstances, though. Sometimes we walk through with the, the fire and the valley and the circumstances don't go away. But our perspective changes. And then the world will see that also. And you and me will be able to be a light in the darkness in a way we've never been able to be before. They'll see the trust and hope that we have. See, that it's not just that you do different things. There's a confidence in you. There's something deeper in you. That's because we are giving up our control, our dock, and putting our faith and trust completely in Him. Let's just sing that chorus together as we close. And we're going to receive the benevolence offering right at the end. Jesus be my Savior. Let's stand. Jesus be my Lord. Jesus be my Savior. Jesus be my Lord. Jesus be my Savior. Be my all in all. opportunity to do that. Father, we thank you that you are worthy of our trust. That you declared yourself through the scriptures to be Lord, to be Savior. And you walked it out and then you died and rose again. Father, we trust you We hope in you, and we hope in your coming again. Father, as we receive a benevolence offering, God, we ask that as a congregation, you would help us to be aware of the needs, be prepared to help meet some of the needs that will come through at this Christmas. That we might be a light, but we'd also be practical help. God. Father, as we would close this service, God, I ask that you would walk with us this week and help us to remember to put our hope in you and that this season is so much more than just gift giving. But that can be a wonderful time and a part of it. That you were the reason that we celebrate. Bless our time in our life groups as we gather and at the parties and the things that we'll do with friends and family. We thank you that your life is inside of us and we might be a life and light to others. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. After the offering goes by, just go get your picture taken. If you haven't done that, stay and visit. And, and we'll just continue to worship for a little bit. Jesus be my Savior. Jesus be my Lord. Yeah, that's all. Jesus be my Savior. I would uh, 